These fellas are swarming like cicadas to a sap cake. Bit on the nose, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, come on, Bay, you usually put more thought into your carrying on. Look, Morgo, this cannon's fiction to buck me like a bowling rutting season. Forgive me if my quips lack the crack of my whip. So let me get this right. These bladders pop out of their hole every 17 years and you lot have any twig to fix yet. Just keep bringing up look for a spot of shooting up until they're on their back. Or you snag a bit of kip? Is that it? And tell if raises is a good point. Yep, time was we had all manner of solutions for it. But then y'all turned up with the bells and whistles, set to solving it all in a fortnight rather than a year. Well, we figured we'd all have a better time of it. I mean, if the pay's not right, we could probably find a different crew. Oh, you know, I can't complain. A ten-quest paycheck for two weeks' work's nothing to scoff at. But usually you want to go through the proper channels, uh, put in a quest requisition and all. Not just snatch the first team out of the aether. Oi, we've got another wave coming in. Nope, just Splish coming back from the brood. <laughs> you know, probably not the smartest play to spook the gunners. Pay him no mind, you wee bird. Just having a fuss. What kind of wave is the first access quest? I'm not having a fuss. It just don't polish my apple when the plans change. I like a system, you know, structure. If I wanted a lawless scramble for a quest, I'd have stuck to my feast or famine days on the prairie. Ah, knock it off, Splish. Hey, it went Splish. He got company. By the sundered oak and all the splinters of fate, it's the brew mother. party has made their way up the winding gravel and rock road to an old stone ruin. There are a few buildings established there. A kitchen, a chapel, and a nearby hut, overseeing a small rocky vineyard. There you stand at the entrance to this small monastery. The path continues upward towards the mountain, but you have business here. I suppose we should look for clues. Perhaps there are some clues as to... What happened to the previous population? I will look for tracks. Guidance. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Go ahead and roll me a survival check. Can I get a shivery guidance? Guidance. (laughs) You said survival. That's the one. Yeah, I don't know why I volunteered for this. Guidance is a d4? Yeah. Uh, That's a three plus four for a total of seven. Perfect. Did you roll higher on the D4 than on the D20? I did. <laughs> Do you have no bonus either? Your your guidance was more effective than anything I know. This is gravel. <laughs> <laughs> you examine the gravel road, and from what you can tell, people have used it. Guys, these, this stone has been worn down into small pebbles. Um, <laughs> perhaps that means something. Yes. Good to know. Perhaps it does. Yeah. She smiles and wags her tail at her contribution. (laughs) But you spot no burrows? Uh, Not here. Okay. Then which building should we go into first? Uh, Monastery? I believe we are in the monastery. That is a chapel. Oh. Oh, that's a good start then. It's probably cultists. It's always cultists of some kind, you know. Uh, Gaspar, you seem to have keen eyes. Slice you off a piece of this guidance. <laughs> I'll gladly take your guidance. Are you asking for like an investigation or a survival as well? I think investigating the uh, the premises would be pretty choice. Yep. 
Gaspar is going to circle the perimeter of the chapel, inspect the stone, see if there perhaps is a cellar or some secret in the architecture. Gotcha. That is a yeah, 13 plus the guidance is going to be 15. Excellent. That's an investigation? That is an investigation. Good to know. You begin to kind of stomp around the outside of the chapel, and you don't notice anything that might suggest anything underground. The stone of the chapel seems to be a blue stone that's been carved into large blocks and then set atop each other and then mortared with some kind of primitive mortar. The place doesn't seem to be a high technology. In fact, based on the village that you saw earlier and the older buildings, they didn't seem very high tech either. You come to the entrance of the chapel itself, and there are no doors. Inside is a series of pews that have been carved into the living stone in the mountain here. And does the chapel seem structurally sound? Very. It seems to have stood the test of time. You're not sure how long ago this place was abandoned, but it can't have been too terribly long because there's not that much weather damage, and it seems like it had been maintained not too terribly long ago. Is the entire building carved out of the mountain? No. Most of it's just stone blocks, but the ground and the pews were carved out of stone. When you go inside, you see that there is what looks like a kind of dais at the top where an altar rests, also carved out of the stone. And on your left, there is what looks like some kind of a booth, almost a confessional. Here inside the chapel, I was going to use divine sense and see if I can detect any creatures that that would set off for me or if the dais up front's been consecrated or desecrated. You cast out with your divine sense and you don't notice anything too dangerous, but you do feel an overall sense of foreboding. Okay. I always was going to, to kind of pace through the long walkway of this chapel, uh, look at the raised dais and the confession booth to the side and moving closer to investigate. He's going to kind of reach out and think of his history of knowledge of religion and see if he can piece together any puzzle pieces from uh, what's remaining. Mm-hmm. A guidance. Uh, that gives me a 12 with a very bad roll. Hmm, that's some pretty good. That's pretty good. I'd say 12 is reasonable. Based off of your examination of the space, as I mentioned before, it's all very primitive. There's nothing here that suggests a higher order religion, something more primal. Mm. When you go into what looks like the confession booth, you notice that it's actually two separate booths connected together. One is raised and the other one is low. In the low one, you see what looks like very old, flaky bloodstains throughout the space and a kneeler. Underneath the kneeler, made of stone, you see what looks like a very tired, weathered, and slowly disintegrating whip of thorns. Mm. Seems the people of this order were very keen on self-flagellation. I mean, if they are fans of self-punishment, just living here is enough. Is there some way we could try to find any openings to the underground and see if these tunnels that were spoken of come up in these ruins? Hal's going to walk up to the dais. Is there any blood on it? None that you can see. However, there do seem to be stains of other nature. Okay. May Gaspar investigate the inside of the chapel now for perhaps a path into the mountain, like uh, underground? The chapel is very simple. It's just an Ah. open hallway with a confession booth set into the wall. Perhaps we can check the rest of the ruins find an opening to the underground. This time, I will attempt a survival check. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Guidance. Unless otherwise assumed, there's no reason not to ask my god to help with everything. Agreed. Four and ten, plus three is seventeen. Excellent. And what are you looking for specifically? Signs of caverns or openings to the underground. Looking like maybe this 
part of the ground looks like a good place to come up from a tunnel, or this looks like it's caved in a little or something. I see. After a little bit of investigating, you do see that there are, are a lot of recent foot treads. Uh, a lot of them seem to be coming down from the mountain area, and some of them seem to be coming out from inside of some of these buildings. You would guess, to look at it, that something inside of either the kitchen slash mess hall or inside of the vineyard might lead to it. There are clues indicating that perhaps the kitchen of the vineyard could be entry points to something else. Where would you all like to start? I'll say we start in the kitchen. It's probably more uh, together. If we want to explore... This place in totality. Perhaps we should visit the homestead first, and then then the kitchen, since that will lead into the mountain. Leave no room, or in this case, building, unexplored. That seems like due diligence. You approach the house that sits atop the vineyard. It's just resting on a little hill. It's a shack for the most part. Sizable enough for one person and maybe a spouse, but not large enough to house a family. You can tell that it's clearly designed to act as a home for the caretaker. What's the state of the vineyard? Like, is it, Would you know it's a vineyard by looking at it? Yes. Immediately upon looking at it, you can tell that the vineyard has kind of overgrown, but you can see that there are, again, simple sticks stuck in the ground to house the vines. There's also some pillars that have been placed there to hold larger vines. You can see that there is an unusual kind of a blue-green berry that hangs from these vines themselves, and the whole place smells like old fruit. This seems like difficult soil to tend crops on. My kudos to the caretaker. Hal's going to walk up look at one of the berries. They seem not too terribly different from a grape, though they do seem a little bit larger and a little bit fleshier. All right. I'll pop one in my mouth. It's sweet. There's kind of a almost minty or mentholated undertone to it, and you would say there's almost a muskiness. It's weed. <laughs> I step into the homestead. You get inside and you can tell that the desk was largely used for general work. Uh, you can see gouges in the woodworking and you can see there's some tools on the surface itself. Some of them look like they might have been low quality and low technology pruning shears and things like that. But you also see what looks like a kind of a um, set of clippers You've seen things like this before. They look like they would be used to trim the nails of larger animals, things like big dogs or cats with long claws. I will take those clippers. And are there any forms of writing that would give us a clue as to the people that were here? There's no evidence of writing that you can see here. Uh, perhaps there is an entrance to something deep underneath the homestead or furniture of some kind. I'm going to investigate the inside of the homestead for any passages that would lead underground. I will guide you in this. Thank you for your guidance. That is a natural 20 plus a four on the guidance. So 28. So good. Beautiful. As you're beginning your investigation, you begin to piece together some clear information. One, in the wood of the floor, you can see what looks like gouges, almost like nails or claws, as whoever used to live here presumably had feet that did not end in normal toes. You also notice that the bed itself seems to have been stuffed with fur rather than any other kind of filling, like, say, plant matter or feathers. Mm-hmm. You begin to shift things around a little bit. The desk doesn't yield much information, but beneath the bed, you do find a trap door that was very effectively hidden. But you were clued into it by claw marks on a specific area where it was used to lift. 
As you move the bed aside and lift the trap door, you see a quick drop down into an into an earthen crawl space. Gaspar is going to carefully lower down his dwarven head to be able to see into the subterranean path. Now, you know that there was a time not too long ago when you would have difficulty seeing things in this kind of light, but the dwarven head gives you the gifts you need, and the dark cavern beneath is lit as well as any day. Inside, you see what looks like a small pathway, very short, maybe about eight feet, leading to a kind of altar. This altar seems to have what looks like special stones, uh, some brightly colored, some like gemstones, and some just simply well-designed or well-worn. And above this little altar, carved recently, is what looks like a large eye with a rectangular pupil, not unlike a goat's. It appears to be empty in here, but it is another altar. This one a bit more sinister. What does it look like? I see an eye carved into the wall. It's pretty fresh. Seems to be the eye of a prey? Cattle? So, the theory that whatever these creatures are, are good at digging, is not being erased. Does the image that he describes trigger any memories or thoughts of religious stuff? Nothing that you know, but as he describes it, the sound of it being a rectangular pupil doesn't necessarily ring to you as prey. Mm-hmm. Erring on the side of caution, Gaspar is going to try and enter that cavern as stealthily as possible. Sounds good. As you enter, uh, you can tell immediately that this was designed for someone of considerable size. Not necessarily giant or anything, but a larger person. The space looks like it was carved out by hand, presumably with claws. But the eye looks like it was dug out by some kind of tool. And the eye is more recent than any of the claw work. Are any of the gemstones valuable? You grab a few of them just in the off chance that they might be worth something. You're not really a gemologist, so you couldn't say with any level of confidence. Everything okay down there? Yes, seems mostly inert. I don't sense any... Energy coming from the altar. Perhaps we should go and check on the path that led to that kitchen. I agree. I'll help him up as best I can with my old, old body. Sounds good. My shitty bad strength. <laughs> Please don't hurt your back. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> <laughs> you pull him up easily enough and you make your way towards the kitchen. It's more of a kitchen and mess hall environment, though, again, rough stone, things like that. It is not high quality or refined. What a mess. <laughs> You make your way into the mess hall and you see these stone tables and most of them have stains all about them. And at the back of the room, you do see a door that leads to the kitchen. The kitchen inside has large stone ovens, mostly designed to be burning all day for long periods of time and to be kept hot at all costs. In the corner of this small kitchen, you see what looks like a larder. The larder itself is largely ransacked. You see some broken pottery, some old supplies, some rope, things like that, but they're all tattered and broken. Can we ascertain the kind of diet that these things had? Like, are there bones all over the place, or does it look like they just ate, like, grapes? You can't tell if there's any remnants behind, but your assumption is that if they did use things like bones, they would have ground them up and used them as bone meal for the vineyard. What about the stains? They all look like food stains to you. You do see a large portion of that kind of blue-green from the berries. Okay. I almost give me a history check. I would love to. As it is prompted and not of my own choosing, I cannot use guidance. Thirteen. Excellent. You know full well that a kitchen like this with a vineyard nearby has to have a wine cellar. 
So it's not long before you quickly move your way in and mm-hmm. see one. It's mostly covered with dust and dirt, not a lot of access. But getting a closer examination, you see that this dirt might have been brushed recently over the top of it, as though mm. to hide it. Someone's trying to cover their portal to the underground. Dust it away with my foot. Hal, could you lift this door? Uh, yeah. I don't see why not. You lift the door at the bottom of the larder. Inside, you do in fact see what looks like a wine cellar that is fairly large in size, roughly 15 feet by 15 feet. Uh, it's hard to tell whether it branches off. Is it stocked? Inside, you do see one keg and several bottles, uh, though these bottles are more ceramic than glass. I'm going to take the old rusted lantern off of my belt and cast light through it. Perfect. The area illuminates. In the corner of the room, in fact, in every corner of the room, you can see what look like small warrens that presumably open up. Some sort of network for the passages. Hal... Would you like to help me lift this keg? (laughs) You know it. Let's just go set it by the entrance and we can get it on our way out. Sounds like a plan. You managed to pull the keg up. It's it's a hogshead barrel. It's It's a big boy, though very old make. The metal fixtures seem to be wearing away slowly due to oxidization and being in a damp space. But you're able to pull it up without any significant damage. It does smell strongly of a sweet, almost minty smell. Mm, Crest wine. Yeah. (laughs) After setting that kind of over where we said, Penny will head back down and rejoin the party, and she'll loosely keep an eye out for a funnel for Hal. <laughs> Peppermint Franzia. <laughs> Rump- Rumplemans. The question is, do we head towards the mountains from here now that we've discovered that there is, in fact, caves, or do we explore the underground? I'm personally not eager to spend time in these strange tunnels, being a creature of the surface. Uh, but I leave it up to our choice as a group. This path has opened up in front of us. I think it is one worth taking. Does it look like any of the winding offshoots head in the direction that we would know the mountain is in? Yes, definitely. Then perhaps this is the way. With the information that we know that there are burrows, I I don't imagine that the answer lies in the mountains. It must be below ground. Below the mountains themselves, yes. Things that we know thus far are the creatures that we were dealing with are intelligent, uh, clawed, and large. Their claws are able to cut through stone. We are in their home now. Yes. Let us be cautious. Let us not lose points for stealth this time around. Does that mean not trying to stealth at all, or are we going to try? That'd be the best way, I think. I think we should try, yes. Okay. You both prepare what you need to prepare. I'm going to give Halophon a little pep song. A song of being quiet. <laughs> right, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna like kinda hum him like like a little inspirational, like, yeah, we're gonna do this, we're gonna succeed, peace, and just gonna give him Bardic inspiration. Mm. Perfect. Who's a, quiet boy? <laughs> Who's a quiet boy? Who's a quiet boy? Who is the quietest? You are. You are. And Iavos is going to guidance himself because he's old. He's not wearing a lot of armor, but his his joints themselves have a very loud sound factor. Every time you walk, it's like somebody wearing bone armor. <laughs> it's like a living scarecrow. Just this knobbly knees just clattering together. Oh, good. I almost got a stealth of 12. Beautiful. Gaspar is a 17 for stealth. Nice. Oh, sorry. 19 for stealth. Eight. 
for Hal. Rock oh my solid. Gosh. Rock solid. Penelope is nursing a fatty natty. Ooh. Excellent. Hopefully your fatty natty <laughs> makes up for <laughs> Hal's dumpus. So you all rolled fairly decent on your stealth, except Hal. You know, armor penalties, man. <laughs> One more reason to go without sometime. Yeah. You begin making your way into this tunnel. And as you anticipated, it starts off somewhat small and then begins to open up. It's largely dirt. However, there are rocks. Some rocks fairly large, nestled into the walls, look like they have had themselves shorn off, as though only half the rock remains. Mm. Whatever did this tunneling, as you suspected, is capable of cutting through stone. While Iavos isn't the quietest boy, he is incredibly keen-sensed. Mm -hmm. His ears and eyes are good for old age. He has his lantern. If he gets to an area where we think we might hear something or that looks dramatically different, he's going to snuff his light cantrip. Sounds good. You're not sure how a creature might be capable of cutting this kind of stone. It doesn't seem natural. Like giant moles. Perhaps the magic only allows them to cut through stone and our flesh will be fine. One can hope. Wishful thinking. There were creatures that used to torment the farmstead in midsummer. Father called them boulets. Ate through stone like a gopher through a field. You continue pressing on, doing your best to remain silent. In time, the warren begins to smooth out somewhat. No longer the rough, awkwardly edged tunnels that you found at the beginning. They seem like they are designed now for living. You can see plant matter caked into the floor and pounded to make easily walked upon roads. You find some offshoot tunnels that lead to small homesteads, including small bedrolls and other supplies that people might need. How old do they look? These look fairly fresh, and they have the smell of a home. Are there any bedrolls that are child-sized? You do see the occasional one. Now that there's plant matter on the stone, are we able to see tracks of either clawed or shod footprints? Definitely no shoes that you can see. However, you do see sign that whatever walks here may have a habit of digging its claws in to get traction. Whispering to not raise too much noise down the echoey halls. Very strange. We're helping a colony that moved to this place and took over a village. And it seems there is another colony on the move under their feet in the ground. Many puzzles to put together. There are small beds here. I... Don't feel good about going at this too aggressively. Perhaps perhaps it is a misunderstanding. Let us not draw weapons, then. Perhaps that will give the impression that we are not here for violence. You continue on your way, seeing more of these warrens, some of them disused to the point where you wouldn't be surprised if nothing had lived here for some time. But as you go, you begin to hear things. Chittering sounds. The occasional chirp. You hear the clicking of what sounds like claws on stone. I deactivate my light cantrip. You continue on, some of you struggling to see, until you hear the unmistakable sound of footsteps dead ahead. Whispering, we can either hide or introduce ourselves. Looking at the size of this narrow tunnel, hiding seems impossible. Are there warrens off the side still? Are there rooms people could get duck into? There are. Okay. Penny, what is the friendliest humming sound you can make? <laughs> are there any songs that have calming clicks? I can try. 
tranquil squeaks. Well, Iavos is going to like shift to one of the Warrens, but not like overtly hiding himself, but getting out of the way, sort of. And I'm going to preemptively touch Penny's shoulder and give her a guidance for whatever's about to come up. Hal will stay next to Penny, not making any attempt to be stealthy. Okay, so Penny, Penny looks down at her flute and then her mittens and then starts humming. She hums a low, earthy song of warmth and hospitality. She tries to use the natural resonance of these caverns to kind of si- hum a song of the mountains. Nice. Stoner music. <laughs> <laughs> you begin to hum and make your song. And periodically, as your melody reaches its peaks, you hear chittering that kind of goes along with it. When I hear them kind of harmonizing with the song, um, I go with my gut and I step back out to be more shoulder to shoulder with my allies and reactivate the light cantrip, starting low to high. Um, so I'm not so jarring to something that lives underground and to see what we can see. As soon as the light begins to blossom in the dark, you hear a bit of shrieking and a little bit of chittering as some things back up. And you realize that some of these sounds have been playing tricks on you. There are creatures behind you. Mm. Ahead of you, you see a figure. It's large, humanoid, thick with muscle, and covered in dark fur. It has a broad shoulder and a squat, broad head. His eyes are small and black to either side of his skull. He has ears that are vast and leaf-shaped, pointed, and they seem to be turning to you, trying to gauge your distance. Its nose is a flap of skin that, when sniffing, lifts up into a spear point. At his elbows and down to his waist are vestigial skin flaps, and at the end of his long fingers are sharp, hooked claws. This man looks like a humanoid vampire bat. Why you come here? We mean you no harm. Penny holds up her two empty mittens. We hope that we can be friends. Friends? Do you know this word? Do you? It is you who've done this to us. Who have done what to you? You surface dwellers. You brought the curse upon this land. Sorry, kiss? There's a kiss? You drink its filth. You bask in its fires. You summoned the thing in the sky. Welcome back to The Experience. I'm Dirk Bradley. And I'm Warren Rustborough. Well, Rusty, the axes might be on hiatus, but the action is still packed. That's right, Dirk. Metal and Mana are fighting the broodmother of the subterranean hemeptoroids of Mu F6. The Sacred Dead are investigating the murder of the God King of Zeta P12. And even the up-and-coming novice team Gold Dragon is getting a slice of the interplanar pie on row K-43. <laughs> Who requested a novice team? Cat stuck in a tree? Need help catching fire beetles? Need the crust cut off your peanut butter and bologna sandwich? Colonists presumed dead or missing. Huh. Oops. It's easy to imagine novice adventurers as glorified gophers and errand runners, but the truth is, real power is needed to join the league. Even our lowest-ranked, lowest-tier players are head and shoulders above the average local, unlicensed adventure. I've seen stronger gophers in a cow pasture. 
Couldn't they just mount up a posse and rustle up the culprit themselves? I mean, I thought the whole point of local planes not having a novice steer was so that scabs and other non-league folks could still make a living. It's a colony, Dirk. Most of these folks are just trying to stay alive, sometimes in truly unforgiving conditions. Like a city with no magic item traders. Like a bachelor party without a clown. Like a barren wasteland where the only water is that which your cleric can cast in a day, forcing you to choose between healing the wounded or heat stroke. Huh. Oops. A powerful retort. While Dirk thinks of a response, why not avail yourselves of these messages from our sponsors? We're about to witness a planar phenomenon, a keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Breaking news, an outbreak of planar scabies has been reported across the cosmos. These terrifying parasites burrow into the genitals of their host, feeding on the sweetmeats within. It is advised that all citizens of the material plane immediately shave their genitals. Repeat, if you're hearing this, shave your genitals. This public service announcement was brought to you by Manscaped. When I started trimming my genitals, it was not unlike placing my tender scrotum in a food processor. That's when I turned to Manscaped. The aptly named lawnmower is their third-generation ball trimmer featuring cutting-edge, so to speak, ceramic blades to reduce grooming incidents. No more will your tight white underpants look like modern art after tending to your zone. For 20% off your purchase and free shipping, just go to manscaped.com and use the discount code LUQ. That's 20% off and free shipping with the discount code LUQ. Now I'm silky smooth and free of interplanar parasites. The fellas at the gym can't keep their eyes off my velvety coin purse, and I've got the confidence to strut my not-so-funky stuff at the disco. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Hey, LU cuties. Wah here, and it's time to butter this mid-roll. The LUQ.com is your one-stop source for all things Slapdash and League of Ultimate Questing. There's an archive of every episode, links to all of our social media, where you can follow us for updates, memes, general human interactions, and other miscellany. There's a link to our merch page, where there's some great new products, like the EXP and the Experience shirts and sweaters. There's also a link to our Discord, where the coolest nerds online unite to form the best community ever. 
Seriously, it's not like any other Discord. It's actually rad. And our Twitch channel, where we host new episodes of LUQ on Monday nights. We stream lots of games throughout the week, and you can join me and Zach on Wednesdays for our new Pokemon Sun and Moon Soul Link randomized Nuzlocke. If you've liked the meta segments in this season featuring characters from other teams, you can get your character also mentioned in the show by joining our Patreon and becoming a member of the Battle Axis. You also get all the great bonus content from Season 1, including battle maps, magic items, character sheets, and stat blocks from the show. If you'd like to have your name mentioned during the mid-roll, you can become a Legendary Team member. Our current Legendary Teams are the Titans Rise, the Twilight Concord, the Ceaseless Horde, and this week's featured team, the Forgotten Legacy with Christian Wiseman, Jack Phillips, Korgoth, and John Reinhardt. If you want to send something to Slapdash, be it fan art, gaming stuff, or one-foot-by-one-foot wall-hanging art, should the need move you, our P.O. Box is 230091 Tigered Organ 97281. No homemade food, please. We've been seeing some more growth lately, which is entirely due to the fans and their wonderful word of mouth. But if you can't afford to support Slapdash on the Patreon, continuing to spread the word is the best way to ensure we keep making all of the adventures, funny commercials, and goofy interactions that you crave. But enough out of me, let's get you back to the Battle Axis. What's the best thing? Horse. Horse run fast and carry strong weight. Horse help you move quick up top. But what's better than horse? Nothing. Until we make new horse. Introducing Horse. Horse has four legs. Horse has six. Two better legs. Two better fast. Oh no, time to feed horse. Horse needs food for life. Not horse. Horse has no head, no bites, no food, no teeth smell. But we keep big brown lovely eyes. We love horse eyes. They live on the leg now. Extra legs. Horse comes with saddle. Saddle cannot be removed. If you buy Horse, we'll keep making more. You have the power to stop us. Please don't. Horse. Horse, but more. You stand before a creature you do not recognize. A muscular humanoid vampire bat. And you can hear the chittering and clicking of its clan all around you. We wish to help. Penny keeps her empty hands in the air and drops to a knee and and says, Please, believe us. We are here to help. Help us to understand. Uh, Just for clarity, uh, what did you mean about drinking its juices? The sky thing weeps and they suckle at its teeth. All right, I should be fine then. It's good. I was a bit worried for a second. Let us explain who we are. Those surface dwellers, they called for our help because they have items and people who they brought with them have gone missing. They were very concerned by this because they're trying to live here. Um, They sent us to find where the missing people and tools had gone. But we learned about these underground caverns and it seems to be the home of your people. We wish for everyone to thrive. They did not know anyone was here. If they did, I doubt they would have come at all. We have taken no people. The surface dwellers give themselves willingly. We believe you. And unless we've been fooled, I don't think that the surface dwellers mean you any harm. They're simply looking out for their own. You speak lies. 
Surface dwellers always mean harm. They have since the beginning. Our people enslaved and chained. Used to till their soil, sing to Kohesh, make their grapes rich and flavorful, make their crops good, to take away their pain, and yet still they summon their god. And now they're all gone, dead. Is Kohesh the name of this creature in the clouds? He pounds his staff on the ground. You stand in her body. The mountain, then. Kohesh is the mountain. Were th- these previous surface dwellers, were they also taken by this sky creature? Yes. Then is the only solution to live down here. We lived here long before the flat-footed came walking. Alvis is listening to the way they speak and starting to piece together the uh, relationship they have with this world and the people who were here before. And he says, The surface dwellers who are there now came from far, far away. Beyond the clouds and the mountain. A great distance indeed. There is no beyond the cloud. I assure you, we too are from there. A city in the sky. You are a distraction. We have tasks to complete. We will banish her. You will banish the creature in the sky? Yes. How will you do this? Kohesh sang to us. Sang to us of magic using the metals of the surface dwellers. We have crafted the ritual. We need only to bring it to the mountain to cast her out. Iron? The metal is iron? All metals. If the creature in the sky is banished, and the surface dwellers ask nothing of your servitude, can you exist peacefully? They will not survive the banishment. When the sky thing awakens, all on the surface will die. I have little faith that my warriors will be able to protect me from her, but we must try. I am the only shaman left, and my magic is weak. We have magic. We are willing to offer our protection. This ritual can only benefit all of us. You would help us? We would. Even if it means killing all the people that we came here to protect. We will help you if you allow the surface dwellers perhaps the safety of Kohesh. This is a sign of good faith between us. And these are not the flat-footed. They are of a different clan. I know we are asking so much of you, but if you can trust us, we will help you. We want to. Bring your mewling surface dwellers here. We will give them safety, so long as you promise to give us your magic. This seems quite fair to me. The people on the surface... They are of many clans that have united. And as another sign of good faith, my name is Gaspar, this is Hal, this is Eavos, and this is Penny. Will you share your name with us? I am Skia. 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 We are the Vrish. The Vrish. And he, he gestures behind you. That is Shakesh. You look behind you and you see another of these bat creatures, easily a head taller than this one. He's clad in what looks like bone armor that's been strapped snugly to him. And he holds what looks like a very tall, bladed bone halberd. Skiar, you said that there were surface dwellers who gave themselves willingly to the creature in the sky. What happened to them? 
they all became one with her. That is quite foreboding. I think some of your new surface dwellers have become one with her too. There are magics to turn people into gas. Perhaps that is the way this thing consumes others. Strange gods are not foreign to mind control. We do not have time. It is today that we must enact a ritual. Get your surface dwellers. We will do so with haste. Shakesh steps aside for you and allows you to pass. You begin to move past the large warrior, and now the warrens that were once empty are full, full of the vrice. They seem to have been following you. Spooky. You're cute. You make your way out of the tunnel, back into the larder, and into the ruins proper. As you do so, Shakesh follows with you. As you make your way out of the mess hall, into the open sky, or what there is of it, the low-hanging clouds now have a new sense of foreboding. You realize now just how unusual it is. What was originally some kind of planar anomaly, a quirk of the geology and oceanography here, now takes on a sinister new meaning. A meaning that grows all the more terrifying, as you see dozens upon dozens of long, thin tendrils snaking down through the clouds towards the village. Gulp. She comes! We must fight! Is there an effective way of beating these things back? They are weak, individually, but we must get your people underground. Let us move quickly. He's already sprinting as fast as he can towards them and making considerable speed. Fat digbat. I will sprint as well. It doesn't take too long for you to get back to the village, but by the time you do, the screams erupt from the place all around you. These thin, fleshy tubes begin sniffing over the village. One of them finds a dwarven colonist, and as it does, it wraps around its neck, and as easily as you might throw a pebble, it lifts them off the ground, snatching them up beyond the cloud cover. Moments later, you hear a distant scream, punctuated by a sudden silence, as a burst of red mist blooms and lingers among the clouds. Everyone roll for initiative as we enter a skill challenge. That's my kind of skill challenge. Whack! What'd you get? Iavos goes on a 15. 15. What's your dex? Uh, 12. I believe that beats out Iavos. Oh, yeah. Gaspar? Gaspar rolled an 18. And Penny? Penny has a 19. Perfect. And Shakesh did very poorly despite his incredible speed, and he is going dead last. So as soon as you get to the village, you see several trap doors open up in the nearby countryside. As the Vries begin calling to the colonists. Some take the opportunity and attempt to save themselves, running to the tunnels. Some are hesitant, afraid of these creatures, and some flat-out refuse, grabbing weapons to try and fight off the tentacles. But all of them are in grave danger, as the slate-gray sky becomes pockmarked with blood. There are dozens of colonists running back and forth. Your job is to get as many as possible into the tunnels while fending off the tentacles. This is a DC-14 skill challenge. However, Using a skill you are not proficient in will net you two successes. And no one can use the same skill twice, period. As in, if one of you uses athletics, no one else gets to use athletics for the rest of the challenge. Got it. Oh, I will also say these have to be skills. You cannot use attacks. You can, however, translate a skill into an attack. So we will start the initiative order with Penny. Coming upon this scene and seeing all of these people that are 
being beckoned to, but are like not sure whether to trust the the bat creatures. It's a hard sell. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. Panny. Uh, Panny. <laughs> Penny is going to panic a little bit and drop a little bit of her facade and invoke her her fey presence, using it for like charm and glamour to accentuate a persuasion role to convince them it's safe to trust these these uh, creatures are our friends you know be afraid of the sky creature trust the bats i like that go ahead and roll me a persuasion check nat 20 plus five. Oh, okay so that's a natural 20 so that gives you nice. two successes right off the gate so immediately you can feel your plural nature your axial nature radiating outward your fey ancestry starts to kind of enrapture these people and when they look at the Vries they don't see the gnashing teeth they don't see the razor sharp claws they see the large wide set black eyes they see the soft fur and they see the welcoming beckoning arms as they all begin to make as much haste as they can towards these open holes the brushy flappy noses god I love little bat faces so much and I've been holding it in (laughs) brushy 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 that makes it Gaspar's turn Gaspar is going to find a mass of people that have been convinced by Penny and stealthily lead them towards safety Mm. towards one of these burrows. I like that. Give me a self check. That is a 16. Thank you. You begin to find ways to move around these strange tentacles. As you get a closer look at them, you see that they're vascular and wet and bloody, fleshy creatures. At the end of them, they seem to be these odd mouths with suckers on them to grab onto bodies. But you're able to deftly move around and get between different buildings and lead them towards some of the more surreptitious holes in the ground. While they are distracted by the other heroes, quickly now, towards the burrows. And you manage to save quite a few. And that makes it Hal's turn. All right. Hal's going to kind of survey this scene, see some villagers that start running, but like into the path of some tentacles that are coming down. And Hal's just going to go sprinting that direction and do a flying tackle to knock these guys out of the way. (laughs) I'd like to use athletics to just knock them clear of grasping tentacles. Sounds good. All right. A Mr. President check. (laughs) (laughs) I'm afraid to use that die because they roll so bad. Perfect. The dice I bought for Hal are just single digits. It's always single digits. That's a six plus four is only ten. Ten? Yikes. Not a success. Take their heads off. You dive into the villagers, and while you do manage to get some of them to drop down, you do see one particular human male have his head grasped by the suckers, and then he pulls away from your grasp into the sky, and the red mist blooms. (laughs) Shit. That makes it Iavos' turn. Fuck. (laughs) Well, at the core, what Iavo sees here is a community trying to survive a hardship, something that nature is very rapidly using to murder them. And he's going to channel the energy of that familial community, the entire pillar of his faith, and call for sort of a mass sanctuary. Back in the withering acre, the dust storms were harsh. So he's going to call out with a religion check, trying to blow in a sort of dust storm to cover the village and obscure the sight of the villagers from the tendrils in the sky. Okay. Religion. Please don't roll bad. I'm going to switch D20s too, just for funsies. The doubt once more. True. Thank God. Literally. (laughs) Uh, That's a 22 total. Excellent. 
you reach out to this strange place, and instead of finding the cold, wet nature of Row K43, you instead feel that dry, sandy desiccation of your home. Suddenly, the winds whip up, driving chunks of rock and sand into the creatures in the sky, but leaving the people in the low valley relatively safe. Some of the tentacles begin to pull back, and the people feel driven on, heading towards these underground passages. By your strength, do not let them be robbed of their continuance. I love it. Shakesh immediately jumps into the sky with a surprising vertical leap and stabs his halberd into one of the tentacles, dragging the blade down, showering the ground with blood. Wait, fighting them's an option? What the fuck? And that makes it the top of the round with Penny again. Hal's going to call out, Penny, try and draw them all into one area. Okay, I will. Gaspar, create a tempting target. Let Iavos take him out. Understood. Okay, Penny is going to follow Hal's instruction and use deception along with her fey nature to kind of lure the tentacles into one place with little illusory things, little a little rabbit chase. Perfect. Give me a check. Uh, that is low for Penny at an eight. Total? Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> you tap into your plurality, your second nature, and as you do, you feel almost depleted. You try to trick them and juke them and pull them into the wrong direction, but they just don't seem to be following you. And you feel dejected as you see two more people get pulled into the sky and more red blossoms burst in the clouds. No, no. That makes it Gaspar's turn. Perhaps a target closer to the sky would be more tempting for them. Gaspar is going to get onto one of the rooftops and try to acrobatically get close to tendrils without getting scooped up into the sky and turned into a blood blossom. Beautiful. Oh, my God. (laughs) That is a three plus seven for a ten. No way. All right. You jump up onto the roof and you do, in fact, pose a very tempting target. And several of them come right for you, but not in any kind of direct or obvious way. Instead, they just seem to dance nearby, waiting for you to make the wrong moves so that they can pull you into the sky to be fed upon. They seem smarter than they look. All right. And that makes it Hal's turn. All right. Hal's going to use giving my commands. I'm just going to try and kind of create an inspiring like presence and use performance to try and sort of rally the team around me, especially seeing that things aren't going great. So I'll target a group and just come flying in with like a whirlwind glaive strike. I like it. Yeah. Go ahead and, go ahead and roll that for me. I'm going to try. Leading by example. Yep. I mean, hell, your your performance should by all rights be athleticism. It should be. Hey, 15 plus 4 is 19. That's fantastic. Oh, all right. You jump forward, draw some attention, and kind of scoot around the field, kind of juking them where they come in. And then as soon as enough of them are grouped together, you do a whirlwind attack like you described and cut off the heads of many of these tentacles. You hear a loud shriek as they pull back up into the sky. Well done, Captain. If I can, didn't know, I could just attack them. That makes it Iavos' turn. All right. Iavos sees that Gaspar is surrounded by a group of tendrils. So he's going to reach down quickly and grab a piece of broken shrapnel from the damage to the buildings and the tools that they were erecting. And taking this hunk of metal, he's going to hurl it into the sky over Gaspar's head, and it's going to explode into a sword burst, Mm. um, which is going to fill that area with just shrapnel. Nice. Give me an arcana check. Magic be true. Magic was true. 15. 
Excellent. Just. And that brings us to the bottom of the initiative. Shakesh, once again, beheads a couple of these tentacles and literally grabs one smaller colonist and hurls them towards the tunnel. And that brings us to the top of the initiative with Penny. Penny drained of the multiple uses of her her plural abilities that she's tried, uh, just kind of mutters like, what what good is a material body? <sighs> okay, I'm going to have to think like a singular. What what do I have at the money? What's available? And she's going to whip off the um, heavily furred cloak that the shopkeeper gave her earlier. And she's going to start using sleight of hand to um, sort of matador these tentacles <laughs> since she... Uh, since she can't do anything so with her powers. You're going to make this fur coat look like it's a, like a dog or something? It'd be like, come at it. Oh, yeah. It's here. Try, try to get this attractive rectangle <laughs> of brightly colored wool. Get this big, sexy rectangle. Mm-hmm. I like it. All right, give me the roll. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> What'd you get? I'm, I'm just going to curl up and die. Uh, that's seven, one less than before. Beautiful. All right. That moves us on to Gaspar. Gaspar up on the roof is surrounded by these tendrils. The sword burst from Iavos, blowing them back just a little bit. While he's up there, he pulls out his crossbow and he just says, okay, I'm there. There's an arm there. There's an arm there. So your head should be somewhere here. And shoots arbitrarily into the cloud. <laughs> trying, to, trying to just... Uses natural senses as a headhunter. All right, go ahead and take a shot at the sky. I love it. De- de- like detect head. Detect head. Awesome. <laughs> How great would it be if he just fucking threw his head up into the clouds to get a look above them and then shot? <laughs> Never. <call. laughs> Perception. Now that's a trick shot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is sixteen. Ooh. Excellent. At a skill I am not trained in. Ooh. So you use you use your nature to try and figure out where the 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 top of this thing might be just based off of the stress of their sinews and all that you think you got a pretty good idea so you take your shot you figure you're gonna hit it and all of a sudden you hear a deafening screeching roar and you see several of these tentacles start to pull back it sounds much angrier fuck you <laughs> all right and that makes it hal's turn all right how many villagers are there still villagers like fucking around that are like not getting into the holes there are several that are just determined not to give up their land and are terrified of the creatures on the ground. Hal is going to point at those villagers. All of the my eyes and the metallic tattoos on my body are going to flare with heat. Mm. And Hal is just going to point at them and yell, get yourselves in the goddamn hole or I'll decapitate you and turn you into pink mist my fucking self. (laughs) And I'm going to roll intimidate. I like that. Give me that roll. Good delivery. What'd you get? Uh, five total. Oh, no. Uh, Place? A three plus two. They are more afraid of the tentacles than they are of you, and they don't trust these creatures as far as they can throw them. Their mistake. And that makes it Iavos's turn. Iavos is going to try. He wasn't as far into the village as the rest of them. He's been back kind of throwing spells and stuff. Um, he's going to use his vantage point to look and see where the tendrils are coming from near a nearby group of villagers and using perception, help them not run into the traps that these tendrils are setting for them. Guide them to the nearest hole without them getting snatched up. I like it. Uh, He's not trained in perception, but his wisdom's good, so fingers crossed. Yeah, let's roll it. That's where the deafening scream is going. 15 again. Oh Uh, my god, that's so good. 12 plus 3. That is two successes on a non-proficient skill. 
Which yeah. makes up for the two failures the other party members had. Which does move you past the target number. Yay! You've managed to get nice. everyone you can into the burrows. Those who would not budge are devoured. Those who could not budge are devoured. Realizing you've done all you can, you enter the subterranean tunnels. The hatches close behind you, but they can do nothing to muffle the screams of those you could not save. Well, I don't know what Hemi P. Teroid tastes like, but these locals have a brand new lifetime supply of Escar goodness. Dirk Hemipteroids are true bugs. Escargot comes from snails, which are mollusks, and this is the fourth time in as many days you've dangerously walked the line between cuisine and cannibalism. What's your point? Only that instead of the glossy rags, you spend your lunch break cruising for scandals and body shots, perhaps at least skim the notes that our production team have painstakingly prepared for us. I'm sorry, Rust, you're right. Starting today, you're going to get a brand new Bradley. No more anecdotes, no more prompter fumbles, and no more non sequitur. Normally I wouldn't say anything, but it's come to our producer's attention that the audience actually prefers when I break character, so to speak, to berate you. I'm disinclined to compromise my professionalism, but part of that duty is meeting the demands of the audience and my superiors. <sighs> Just do it. I know you're going to do it. Just say the duty thing so we can get on with the broadcast. Nah, I can't. You ruined it. No, I didn't. Just say it. I had a whole thing. It's spoiled now. Duty. I said duty, which brings to mind thoughts of a butt. What whole thing could you possibly have had? Nothing, really. I just wanted to see if I could get you to do it. <laughs> Fabrice, you owe me 40. 80 for Kian. Oh, who, who said it was? Who said he was going to hit me? Was, was that Bronis? Oh, that's 600 from you, buddy. He's a pro. He'd never hit me on Scry. <laughs> oh, but how one's limits are tested. Join us next time on The Experience. What a bummer. <laughs> Fucking hungry sky god. Pretty, you know, I feel like mentioning we're punching above our weight class right now. Like, <laughs> this this is a hero level quest, right? Sort of, oh, yeah. 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 When, we're when, doing okay. When Michael said he was going to do intimidate, I thought I was like, are you going to yell at God? Yeah. <laughs> like, Fuck you! <laughs> Mom! <laughs> so, to clarify, this is not a hero level quest. Oh. Basically, a local world is allowed to divvy its own novice quests however you want. Yeah, yeah. But... They, they have to call in heroes and up for luck things. The problem is this world doesn't have any novice heroes, and so they had to send somebody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it didn't quite it didn't quite tempt anybody of hero level. It's a running theme for teams to punch a little above their weight class. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really, yeah. That's cool. That's actually where uh, non-union scabs come from, because they're people who are doing uh, hero level quests in a world where luck is supposed to be the only people allowed to do hero stuff. I'm really reaching for the sky on this one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're allowed to be a bodyguard. You're not allowed to be a fucking legendary questing hero. So who do? Who does do? I believe that is now uh, Angelo's. Angelou. All right. Well, Angelou do do. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the League of Ultimate Questing. Season two. Berlurxers. His is better. Berlurxers. (laughs) Berlurxers. Battle Xs. Let me introduce the voices of this podcast. First off, we have... Michael Loving, I'm playing Helifan Orson Jr., the uh, third-level Asamar Paladin Barbarian.
Yeah. Mm. I'm Angela Kaluug. I am playing Gaspar, the level three headless rogue of the Phantom subclass. My name is Penelope Farthing, and my player is Dana Ebert. I'm a level one bard and a level two warlock. Adorable. My name is Law. I play Iavos Isadora, witness to the Withering Acre and creative director of Slapdash Studios. And I'm Zach, the DM and also the Barkus. Dungeon boy. And dungeon man for uh, for Slapdash. I'm the producer for Slapdash as well. I'd like to thank Bree Golden uh, from goldenstylus.com for doing our battle maps. And I'd also like to thank Hediger the editor, editor for his beautiful editing. The best editor. the editor. Uh Yeah, what do we think uh, the play of the game was? Oh, man. I, w- I want to say it's the, the friendly humming. Mm. <laughs> I did really like the, the figuring out where the head was in the clouds. Like, I didn't know what you were going to shoot at, and that idea was pretty juicy in my brain. I liked, I mean, but there was a lot of good plays in a skill challenge. That's the problem. If we have a skill challenge episode, it's going to be hard to pick plays of the game. I would say opening on a, t- on a natural 20 was a pretty big Ooh. fucking play myself. Yeah, that's a, that's a big boon. Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. It was great because I did that and then I just got to kind of rest on my laurels for the rest of the fucking challenge. <laughs> Welcome to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, how, about, how about play of the game, uh, the flat-footed surface dwellers who summoned a nightmare sky god? Anybody? Mm. I, think, the I think they're MVP. Now, MVPs are big, juicy bat boy. Yes. <laughs> Our jumpy Wait. bat friend. Oh, okay. Um, what was his name? Shakesh. Shakesh. Robin. The shaman is Batman, and this is Robin. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shakesh was a very dependable MVP. I think he got more successes than any of us independently. He was very consistent. <laughs> well, actually, no, I got, I got three for three, actually. Yeah, yeah. He, didn't, he didn't have to roll either. You guys were rolling your shit. That seems weird to say. I usually roll f- the worst. <laughs> no, you, you don't. four for three. I was about to say, I almost got a double in there. So That's, I, oh, you I almost points. might yeah, be MVP. Yeah. Yeah. Right, let's stop over-talking anyway, and get back to the exit. If you'd like to listen to the premieres of these episodes with the cast, we do stream on Twitch on Slapdash Studios. So, slapdash sorry, streams. Slapdash Streams. Mm-hmm. Twitch.tv slash Twitch. Slapdash Streams. Twitch.tv slash Slapdash Streams. Slash Slapdash Streams is not an easy thing to say. <laughs> Double slash. No, that's just going to get confusing. Yeah. <clears throat> Every fucking Monday at 7 Pacific time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Either Law or Zach are going to be visually and audibly on that stream. But the cast is usually watching uh, in the chat room as well. At least some of them. I was going to say, usually Dana and Angelo, not me most of the time. You try. I do I do attempt when I can. You're a busy man. You got your baby. You got your, you got yeah. your works. Yeah. If you want to be even more part of the community, feel free to join our Discord channel. Discord. Mm-hmm. We have a pretty great community, if I do say so, so myself. Uh, they give me a lot of things to just secretly emote. 9.78 <laughs> out of 10. Perfect. I don't know what they lost. No, that's five out of seven. Five out of seven is perfect. I kind of forget what else I have to mention. The LUQ.com is your source for all the stuff. Yeah, go to the LUQ.com. The LUQ.com, your source for all League of Ultimate questing links and information. Hell yeah. Big, big buttons. When are you guys domaining EXPN.com? Oh, that's a good question. We should do that. Uh, before this episode publishes. Fortunately, EXPN is not a trademark, so I'm like, <laughs> hey, we can use it. <laughs> anyway, until next time, we wish you luck. Luck. <laughs>